Hey everybody, it's Miss North Carolina Team USA 2016, Emily Wakeman, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Miss North Carolina Teen USA 2016 and runner-up that year at Miss Teen USA to Carly Hay. She grew up in Charlotte, graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill with a double major in both journalism and political science. During her time in the Chapel Hill and Raleigh area, she anchored and reported for the award-winning newscast Carolina Week for three years. Because of her investigative work covering campus safety systems, she won an SPJ's Mark of Excellence Award in 2019. Her passion for international storytelling has led her to covering breaking news overseas, and it also made her a Hearst National Championship semifinalist. She's worked at TV stations in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., and currently is a reporter at WIS-TV, the NBC affiliate in Columbia, South Carolina. She's also a member of the Alpha Delta Pi sorority and has enjoyed working with the Ronald McDonald House for the past seven years. And to top all that off, she was the very first title holder that I ever crowned in the Miss USA or Teen USA system back in late 2015 in North Carolina. She's kind of like a little sister to me. So, Emily Wakeman, welcome to the podcast. It's about time we did this, right? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I know. I feel like I've been listening along for a while now. So, I'm excited to finally be a guest and well, be able to chat with you about everything. Yeah, you finally have life after the crown. Of course, you know, you and I first met when you I know. were competing there in North Carolina. I, I guess let's even go back before that. Before you and I knew each other, were you competing in pageants way before that? No, it's crazy. I never competed in pageants. No one in my family has ever competed in pageants. You're going to actually think this is crazy. So <laughs> I found out about the pageant system and it was always kind of a bucket list thing for me where I thought it was this great way to meet new people. It was a great way to have this platform to reach people about the things I cared about. And so I actually Googled Miss North Carolina Teen USA and a application came up and I applied online and suddenly I was a contestant my senior year of high school. So just an amazing experience though all around. When you first went in, were you nervous? Were you excited? Were you just kind of like, I'm just going to wing this and see what happens? I think my first year that I competed, I didn't know enough to be nervous. And so I think I just looked at it as, like I said, I didn't go in thinking I wanted to win. I just wanted to have this fun experience. And so I wasn't that nervous. And I just, from the beginning, just said, I want to be completely myself. And I think that made it easier. And it took the pressure off of me a little bit to be perfect or to look a certain way. It just allowed me to be me. And I think that that's what the judges really saw from the beginning was it was just me up on stage being myself and my personality and um, didn't take things too seriously. And I think that, like I said, it just made it easier for me to perform in that type of way and just to seem really genuine, both on stage and then in my interviews. It just gave me that more relaxed vibe, I think. Well, I, you know, I find that to be so true. Um, about first-time competitors, uh, somebody who was a, a little a little bit before you, Catherine Hike, 
Um, first time competing, wins Louisiana, goes on to win Miss Teen USA. Your first time, you win North Carolina. You're runner-up at Teen USA. Uh, I believe your sister that year, Ellie Picconi from Louisiana, was a first time competitor. Um, it just sounds like, you know, going in when you, you aren't coached um, actually serves as an advantage in some way. Completely. Well, I actually, I have to correct you a little bit. I didn't win my first time. So my first year that I competed, I was a senior in high school and oh. I was the first runner up. Yep. I was the first runner up to the wonderful Jane, who's currently Miss North Carolina right now. And so, like I said, I had such a great experience the next year. I wasn't quite sure right afterwards if I was going to go back or not. Like I said, originally it was just a bucket list thing. And then I think, so I got to Chapel Hill my freshman year and I decided I would say a month or two before and decided this is something that, you know, I'm still in North Carolina and I still feel the same way. I still feel like this is such a great way to have this platform to really reach people and to inspire people and to be a role model for other young girls. And I just, I decided at that point that it was still the right time in my life because I think that's what I was originally worried about after the first time I competed. I was graduating high school. It was right in the middle of you know, college applications. I just wasn't sure if I was even going to be in North Carolina again. But once I was, I just kind of felt like God was pulling me in that direction. And it's funny. I always say that, you know, in my opinion, God has a plan for everything. And through the whole college application process, I originally thought that I was wanted to end up way across the country and in a few other states, but everything kind of fell into place. And I always say that I just feel like God was leading me back to competing again as well. And so I did. And I still went into it, though, with the same perspective. I both years, I always laugh, I wore my prom dresses. <laughs> and did at that point, we, we couldn't we couldn't have makeup artists. So I was doing all of my own makeup. I had never had a makeup lesson before. I look back and I'm like, you know, pageants taught me how to do makeup. But yeah, I just, I think I still went into that, into it with the same perspective of let's just enjoy it. Let's have fun and be myself and still be genuine. And so yeah, the second year was when I won. Long well, story short. <laughs> I, do, I do remember that weekend. When you go through a weekend and you watch everybody there, there's always somebody that starts to stand out a little bit. And I remember it was very clear that weekend, to me at least, that you were you the, the cream that was rising to the top, so to speak. Um, and it was just, it, you seemed like you were having a lot of fun. Now, you end up winning that weekend. You beat uh, Katriana Lineback, was the, the runner-up, I think you remember Katriana. She ended up winning a national title in another system. And then uh, you and uh, three of your RPM sisters go out to Vegas at the Venetian, Three of you are in the top five. You end up getting runner-up. I mean, it was an incredible year. Did you, I guess, really envision that happening, or was it a total surprise to you to end up where you did? Oh, my gosh. It was a total surprise. I think that going into Teen USA, my goal was that I would love to make top 15. I think that I wanted, you know, that second night to compete, and I think it's a lot of fun, you know, just to know where you placed, to kind of know where you stood. But I think for me, I still went into it saying, it's okay if I don't. If I don't place top 15, I'm still going to be okay with it. And I don't want my mindset to be all about winning because I think that the majority of the experience happens off of the stage as well. And I think that if you're so consumed with that one minute that you're up on stage, you miss a lot of the wonderful memories and experiences that you make along that path of that one week, as if it's in rehearsals or if it's in the events we go to 
or just the friendships you get to make. Leading up to that year, I, I told myself I didn't want to be fixated on a certain placement. So yeah, that whole week, I think I just, you know, try to keep that mindset and just kind of stay in my own lane a little bit. I think it's really difficult at times when you're around all of these amazing people with these incredible stories. Every title holder has an amazing story. And that's one thing that I really said after our year at Teen USA and some of the drama that was encompassed in that was just saying that every woman up on that stage, every girl up on that stage has an amazing story and they deserve to be on the stage and they deserve, you know, to even be Miss Teen USA. And I think that it was an important to remember that was that not placing top 15 would not be the end of the world. And that's not where my journey was going to end. You know, Miss Teen USA wasn't, you know, the end of my journey. It was just one stepping, you know, stone or one, one thing along the way of my journey. So yeah, I was actually the last one called for top 15. And I think that, you know, when they started calling the names, I was like, oh, it's okay. It's okay if I'm not. And when they started to get down to the last few and I was like, oh man, I don't think I made it. Like this kind of, (laughs) this is a bummer. And, you know, still trying to keep that smile on your face though. And I was, I mean, at that point, all of my three RPM sisters had gotten called and I was really happy for them as well. But I tell you what, when they called my name in that top 15, I have never felt this huge wave of like, just pure joy. So here, you know, <laughs> here my state. Oh, totally. I just, you know, I, I think I like kind of jogged over to the line. <laughs> so it was honestly one of the best feelings. And then I remember that night so clearly. Just once I had made top 15, I wasn't nervous anymore. It was like, I had been preparing so long for Teen USA. You prepare and you prepare for weeks and months. And I just remember standing backstage and getting ready to go on the stage and thinking to myself, this is my moment. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to really care about what, I mean, I care about what the judges think, but this is for me. This moment is for me. And it's for me to feel my absolute best. It's for me to feel confident. It's for me to just be the most comfortable in my own skin and just to own who I am as a person and my personality. And I remember that helped me so much not be nervous anymore. Just to be like, I've worked so hard for this. And I want to enjoy every single second of it. And so I think that helped me that night was I wasn't nervous anymore. I just enjoyed it. And and then I was the first one called for top five. So that was also great because then I wasn't nervous either because you don't have time to get nervous for questions when you're just like, okay, I'm just going to walk over and answer it. So it was a great experience. Teen USA was so unexpected. I didn't expect to be first runner up. So it was such an unexpected gift that I remember walking backstage and I, had to- I started crying and people were like, oh, don't be sad. It's okay. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying because I'm so happy. Like This was the best night of my life. And I couldn't be more overjoyed to be where I placed and to have the experience that I just had because it was nothing, you know, below just pure joy on that stage the entire night for me. Well, you went through two very unique things during your your, your reign. Number one was right during that experience right there. Um, obviously, Carly goes on to win Miss Teen USA. Um, that night, some old Twitter messages surface and, the, you know, the garbage ensues online and everybody has a, a, a fit. Um, I, I don't know what you were thinking, but I certainly can tell you we were thinking Emily might be Miss Teen USA here in the morning. What was going through your mind when you heard about it? Yeah, I remember being at dinner after the competition with my family. And all of a sudden, I just start getting flooded with text messages being like, oh, my gosh, have you heard? Have you heard anything yet? 
And I was so confused. And then people started sending me um, screenshots of, you know, news breaking about these tweets that were coming out. And like I kind of just mentioned, I think that for me, I was so overjoyed with how I ended up placing that a part of me didn't want to start thinking about the what ifs of, are they going to call me? Is something going to happen? I wanted to just enjoy the night that was in front of me and the celebration that was in front of me with my family. And so I remember my family just being like, we were out to dinner, like I said, and we said, we're not even going to think about it until it actually happens. If it happens, that's the bridge we'll cross when it get when we get to it. But until we're there, let's just enjoy this moment and not try to live in a different moment. And I think that it made me, if anything, it made me really sad to see the news. I mean, I felt such joy and I know that Carly felt such joy when she won. And to have that all happen the night that you're crowned, I just putting myself in her shoes, I felt horrible. And I just, that's not what anyone wants to go through, especially for a a mistake you made years before. And I think that's what many people forget is that this was a, these were tweets that were made years before. And everyone, I think today, people make mistakes on social media. And I think that it's important to have empathy and to be understanding in those situations. But we were also talking about Miss Teen USA, and that's a role model for girls all over the country. And so I completely saw this, this dividing opinion on how to move forward with that and the difficulty with moving forward with that decision. And so I think for days, I was getting calls and text messages about the entire thing. And I think another difficulty for me was I kept getting calls from all of these news stations across the country asking me what I thought about it. And like I kind of said, I did not want to get in the fray of it too much because A, I didn't know if if I was going to get called at all. And I certainly didn't want to be making any opinions on it. But then B, like I said, I think it's really important to have empathy in those types of situations and to put yourself in someone else's shoes and imagine what that person feels like. And like I said, I can only imagine how difficult it was. And she handled it very, very well. I mean, going on those interviews and speaking about it. So I think that I was so happy, though, with how I placed that it didn't really consume me too much. And when nothing came of it, that was okay. I didn't get my hopes up. And that was okay. It's interesting looking back and thinking, gosh, what if they had called me? And how would my life have changed if I had gotten that call a few days later and and they had called me in as Miss Teen USA? And it's something that I think a lot of first runner-ups, you think about whether at the state level or the national level, that what if question of if they ever call, but um, nothing ever came to do with that. And along the way, over the next few years, I had so many incredible experiences that a part of me wouldn't change the outcome of that situation for the entire world, because I know that that might have changed my path completely from where I am right now. I might never have become a reporter and been at the station that I'm at right now. And so it's so interesting to think of those what ifs, but also really thankful for how it all worked out and where I am now. Well, I, I first want to say I, I appreciate how you handled it because, you know, not getting involved in the fray. I mean, look, that whole situation is, is kind of a, a micro reflection of today's garbage tabloid culture where the moment somebody gets crowned, everybody's trying to dig up dirt, you know, and oh, what, what can we find? And I actually, I know who did it that night and I'm not going to call her out, but I, you know, I just, to everybody listening, please have some grace. I guarantee you, every one of us, me, you, everybody listening, we all have some dirt somewhere, somewhere along the line, and everybody could dig it up. And if you don't want it to happen to you, then don't do it to other people. So, Emily, 
proud of you for handling it that way and not jumping into the, I call it the viper pit, but, I, you know, the fray, whatever you want to call it. I, I appreciate that. And like you just said, social media is so new. And especially for my year of at Miss Teen USA, we grew up in this social media age. So we all started getting these social media accounts, whether Facebook or Twitter, when we were in middle school. So we were part of this first generation who had these social media accounts at an incredibly young age. And so I think that that's what you were seeing was you were seeing some of these very early mistakes because people just didn't understand the way that these posts and these comments were going to follow you because social media leaves a trail for years. And what is, what is posted on social media, it doesn't go away. And I think that that is a big learning experience for everyone growing up now is that thought process of what I post now is going to be with me in 10 years. And it's, I think it's difficult when you're in middle school or high school to think that far ahead and think, okay, how is what I am posting right now on Facebook or Twitter, the opinion I'm about to put out there, the picture I'm about to put out there, how is that going to affect me later on? And how am I going to feel about that later on? I think it's very difficult to have that type of foresight at that age. And that's why I think, like I said before, you have to have empathy in those types of situations for the fact that she probably wasn't thinking about that post and how it would affect her five years down the road when she posted it. Well, and I, you know, I've heard it put this way um, to title holders. When you wear the crown of the sash and you represent a state, Everything that you put out there, pretend that it could possibly be on CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or, or TMZ even. Um, you have to really approach it like that because the possibility that it could come up are relatively good if you, you, if you win or if you, you get into some sort of situation where you become national news. So just something for all of you listening to be cognizant of. And uh, in, in terms of Carly, um, I plan on having her on later this year to talk about it. Okay. The second thing that happened to you that year um, that one girl goes through every year, um, but yours was a very unique situation, was as a teen, you ended up adopting a second Miss uh, after the first one gave up her title, you know, before Miss USA. And so Devin Gant came on to grab the crown and you ended up, you know, kind of going through that transition. What was that like? That was such a unique situation. I don't know if anyone has ever gone through it quite like that. I, I mean, so I either. love them both. I, <laughs> I think both Allie Dunn and Devin Gant are just wonderful people. And I'm very lucky to have both of them in my life still. And I couldn't say enough great things about both of them as people. And I just, I think that as a teen, kind of watching that all happen and being close to both of them, I knew Devin beforehand too. And I just think that I wanted to be there for Allie. And then I also wanted to be there for Devin. And I think that's kind of what I, the mindset that I had during the whole thing was, how can I be there for both people? Because both, both of them were in very difficult situations. And so I feel so blessed that I got two, two sisters that year that I'm so close with and that I could look up to. Both of them are incredible. And, and so, yeah, I, I remember not really knowing what was going on and, then finding out and like I said, just reaching out to both Allie and Devin and being there in any way that I could and whether it was just in a supporting role or whether it was, you know, or someone to talk to about anything, just being a supportive person and that whole experience, because like you said, that was an incredibly unique, but also difficult situation. I can't personally imagine getting the phone call, sitting at home and getting a phone call. Hey, can you get on a plane right now and come to Miss USA and compete? I honestly have so much respect for Devin. The fact that she packed her bags in hours, 
hopped on a plane and was immediately thrown into the midst of Miss USA and that week or two to be ready for it and to be able to, to walk out on that stage confident and to be on national television, I think just shows such, you know, it's such an incredible accomplishment for Devin. So she should feel very proud of that. And then Allie was an amazing Miss North Carolina for those, I think it was eight months, six or eight months leading up to it. And so I think, you know, they both have incredible memories from that year. And I think it's special that there there was two Miss North Carolina USAs in 2016. And both of them, you know, carried that title proudly. And it, it was a wonderful year for me to be close to both of them. Well, the reason I ask is because obviously every year when one girl wins Miss USA, um, whoever their runner-up is takes over in that state, it just happened to be North Carolina this year when Chesley won, Eliza Minor uh, ended up adopting Laura Little as a big. So it was, you know, I, I think it's always interesting to hear the perspective of what it's like to go through that transition because um, it's inevitable that it'll happen to somebody every year, just not in the exact same way it happened to you. It, it's true. And like I said, it's just such a great experience to get to be that close with two people because it's such a unique experience. And only if you're living in it and only if you've been a title holder, do you really understand, I think, the pressures and the highs and lows that come along with being a title holder. And that's the person that you share a lot of your experiences with because you're going to appearances together all the time. And so I think that to get to share those memories with a few different people is an incredibly special thing because it does create a bond. It creates a lifetime bond, I feel like, of knowing what each person went through that year and getting to stand beside that person, whether it was in the crowning moment or in giving up our titles. It's a special moment. So you move on from Teen USA, and I haven't really had many teens, or at least a teen at the time that you competed in this, um, talk about being in the, in the situation that you were in, which was you were runner-up. You were on the verge of the crown, and you were just one spot short. And I think for a lot of people, that's a really, really hard pill to swallow. And you know, from what I can tell, and just knowing you, you handled it very well. So maybe talk about how you um, decided to transition on from that moment of just not quite getting there and what you decided to do moving forward? So at the time that I was first runner-up, I had just started my freshman year at UNC Chapel Hill. And I think that in, in those that first year, being a freshman at UNC, I had so many incredible experiences. And I was just getting into my majors of journalism and poli-sci. And I was really excited about the potential opportunities that were in front of me. And I was excited about my career opportunities. And I was excited to really dig in for some of those things. And I think that being first runner up, I always say, I think it was the best place that I could have been for me. And I say that because I always wonder how my career path might have changed if I had won the title, if I had become Miss Teen USA. And it would have brought about so many amazing experiences, memories, and opportunities. I'm convinced of that. But also, it would have meant possibly taking time off of school. And that was another challenge that I had thought about as being an older um, title holder as far as Team USA went. I was already in college. And so I think that it was really, it was a cool opportunity for me in in the sense that I was first runner-up at Team USA. And I felt like I gained so much from that experience as far as my ability to speak in front of people and know my opinions on issues and just my general development as a person. And I felt like it really helped me in that sense. But I felt like those experiences really prepared me. And then, like I kind of said, I, w- I was really ready to tackle my career next. 
And I was ready to do that at Chapel Hill. And I think that I was excited for that next step, which made it a lot easier as far as being first runner up and not getting the Miss Teen USA experience, knowing for myself and then also thinking to myself, okay, let's make sure there's better things ahead and let's really work hard now for the next step and for my next opportunities. And I think that that was my mindset moving forward is, okay, now let's prepare for the next step, which is graduating UNC Chapel Hill and doing my path or following my passions and um, just chasing my career goals. Well, obviously you've done that. Um, you were a, a news anchor in college and you've gone on now. You're a reporter at an NBC affiliate in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, before we jump into that career path, are you done with pageants? Do you see yourself coming back at all? Gosh, it's funny. I, I go back and forth a little bit. I think for a while I was like, no, I don't ever really see myself competing again. But I think that over the last year or two, there have been moments, I think, especially when I'm around, you know, my pageant family, as I would consider it, that I miss it and that I that I really see myself possibly one day if all of the cards lined up right and if I was at the right place at the right time and I felt like it was a good point in my life and in my career, I could see myself competing again because I do think that it's such a powerful position to have and you get to inspire so many people and you get to connect with so many people and you get to make so many amazing friendships that I think that I do see so many advantages in competing again as a myth. So who knows, maybe one day. Well, hey, when you're in the media, I think you you have a little bit of an advantage because, you know, when you get into interviewing top five question, um, the fact that you've already are used to talking in front of an audience every day, uh, the fact that you are well versed in what's going on in the news and in culture and society. I mean, those are things that present a great advantage when you step up on that stage and grab the mic for the for the question. So I, I think in that regard, considering the fact that you've already been runner up at Miss Teen USA, I think I think you'd be uh, a force to be reckoned with would probably be the best way to put it. Well, thank you. I do think that being a TV reporter now, every single day I'm in high pressure situations. And I do think, like you said, you have to know your opinions on things and you have to know how to speak with people and you have to know how to present your own thoughts and ideas. And I do think that it does make it easier in situations like the top five question and those types of things and in interviews. But I do think that it's its own thing as well. There's a different type of pressure that comes from standing up on stage in front of a crowd of people and hearing someone ask you a question versus standing in front of a camera and answering a question. But I do think that as far as knowing how to handle pressure and formulating your own thoughts, I do think it helps a lot. Well, so here's what I'd like to do, and I've never done this before, and just because you and I are, are, are close and, you know, I know that we've been talking about catching up on, on media and everything, I have a ton of people that contact me about asking about broadcasting or getting into the news or getting into hosting or anything like that. And so I think we together today can probably help answer a lot of the questions that people have because I have a feeling that you have a lot of questions as you have now gotten into the business. So what I want to do is I want to kind of walk through your journey to where you are right now, and then let's talk about moving forward um, that, you know, we could kind of discuss because I think it would be fun and, and interesting for people to learn from you and your experience. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So you interned at a couple of different stations, I believe, in Atlanta and D.C. before you actually got your first on-air job. Talk about um, did you have a path in mind that you wanted to travel in order to get to that first station, or was this by a stroke of luck? Talk about it. So I interned at Fox News Channel in between my sophomore and junior year, and then in between my junior and senior year. The first time was in the, their Atlanta bureau, and then the second time was in their Washington, D.C. bureau. Both amazing experiences. I think 
internships are a great way to figure out if the career path you're on is really the one you want to be on. And it's funny because those are both amazing experiences, but I also interned at a local station in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that also taught me a lot about what local news is. And I think that what a lot of people don't know is that as a broadcast reporter, when you start out, you're not at Fox News, you're at a local news station, and it can be very different. And so my first summer interning at Fox, I was, like I said, I was in the Atlanta Bureau and I was interning under a correspondent and it was amazing. It was great. They gave me so much valuable experience and information and learning and tips. So that was great being under a correspondent there. And then in DC, I was working under the show America's News Headquarters. And so that was a different type of experience in the sense that I was seeing the behind the scenes of a show more. And then also shadowing some at the White House and on the Capitol, those types of places as well. So I will say that my internships at Fox News were great in the sense that they taught me so much valuable information about the field of journalism. And I felt very prepared for my journey after graduation. So that was the best part, I think, of those internships. And I think it also, I think it allowed me to see the end goal for myself and know that I, because my end goal is to go into political correspondence. And so it allowed me to see what it would actually look like if I was a political correspondent and know that it might be tough at the beginning. Starting out at a local news station can be challenging at times because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that as a multimedia journalist and a reporter at a station in a local market is that most of the time I am my own camera person. I conduct all of the interviews myself and then I have to go back and edit everything together. I have to write all of my own scripts. And then I have to front those clips for three different shows. And so I think that sometimes people think you just get in front of a camera and you just, you know, you're handed a script and that's that. But really, it's a, it's a ton of work, especially at the beginning. But I think that entering the box allowed me to see that, okay, if, if you put in the work and you, you get really good at your job and you, you give it your all for five or 10 years, you can get to that next level and you can, you know, reach that top career goal that you have. And I think that gave me the drive to know, okay, this is where I want to be in the end. I want to be in DC within five to 10 years. And so it gave me that drive to know, okay, so now that I know my end goal, how do I formulate a plan to get there? And so that's the journey I'm on right now. So whose job do you want to take? Who's out there? (laughs) I would love to be a White House correspondent. I think that to be in the White House pool and to, to travel with the president and to get to cover breaking news. I mean, politics, especially right now, is just it is it is a time to be in politics. I'll say that. But I do <laughs> think nice way to put it. I do think that good journalists are needed right now in Washington. And I think that, you know, sometimes we all get caught up in us versus them. And are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? And I think that it's really important, especially as a journalist, to be able to take a step back. And for me, it's really important that people don't necessarily know what I believe politically. As a journalist, my job is just tell people the facts around something and to educate people about what's going on and then for people to be able to come to their own conclusions about those things. And and I think that's what I hope to always be as a journalist, is that person that educates and states the facts and helps people reach their own conclusions. Well, let me ask you about that exact thing then, because anybody that watches cable news these days, I think most people believe that 
it is very, very difficult for any journalist to not hide their own political views. You know, obviously at Fox News, they tend to lean towards Trump. CNN, they tend to lean towards more the left and MSNBC, etc. And I think people have a hard time believing journalists anymore. How do you think that can possibly change at this point? Because it's just become so muddied. I think it's going to be difficult. I think that it's part of the time that we're in in politics. And I think that People have a hard time believing journalists because a lot of the time you see that slant. And I think that it's not only the journalists. I think sometimes people have a difficult time making the distinction between a journalist and someone who is in commentary. And there's a huge difference. Someone who is on a show giving their opinion about something as an expert or as an insider of something is very different than a journalist or a correspondent that is commenting on a situation and giving the facts of a situation. And so I think it's a difficult balance to strike right now, though, because now a lot of reporters with just the natural news cycle that we have now and the constant flow of information, it is difficult for reporters to just be reporters and to not dabble at all into being commentators. And I think that that's going to be a difficult line to walk for many journalists now moving forward is that not only do you have this 24-hour news cycle, you also have a 24-hour news cycle on your own social media pages. And you have a Twitter feed that people are expecting you to be posting on. And I think that adds a whole other level of complexity to things is as a journalist, you're still a person and you still deserve to have your own opinions about things. But how much should people be able to know? And I think that that is something that many journalists struggle with today. And I I don't think that that's going to go away. I think that's going to be something that journalists continue to struggle with is knowing how much to share about your own opinions. Well, and I think it's one of those situations where, you know, people like you, um, as more and more of those get into the media, you know, it tends to filter out the ones that start to stick out as, you know, oh, I slant one way or the other. So the more moral and ethical people who can step into those journalistic roles and, and actually play that role well. Um, I think if more of you graduate from college and get into the business and actually, you know, have a set of standards for yourself, I really think it could be the difference maker in helping that to eventually, I don't know if it'll go away, but at least, you know, be pushed into submission a little bit, which would be nice to see. But real quick, I I do want to take two steps back here because I think a lot of people would be interested to know um, how you went from graduating from college into actually getting an on-air job because I think a lot of people think it's going to be, you know, I've graduated college, I'm on the air. And it doesn't always work out that way. So I'd be interested for you to tell them your path. Yeah. So I graduated in May and it's not quite as long of a process as far as getting a job in journalism as it is, say, in business school. So a lot of my friends that are, were graduating in business, they started their process of applying for jobs almost a year in advance. A lot of them even got offers a year in advance. Whereas for me, the process really started, I would say, around February, March. And what you do is you put together what's called a reel. And it's basically a minute to a minute and a half of your best clips on air. And it's what you send to news directors. And from there, news directors reach out and you kind of just find where is the right fit as far as what you're looking for in a job and what what a news director is looking for in a reporter. And I think it is a process of finding where the best fit is 
based on where you're at in your career and where you're trying to go. And I, you know, found WIS and it has been a wonderful experience so far. I'm almost at six months. So time really has flown as far as as far as starting my job. And I think one of the best things for me was I actually had a little bit of time off in between starting. So I graduated in May and three days after graduating, me and my friends, we took this big trip to Southeast Asia and then to Europe. And so I was gone for six or seven weeks. And it was the most amazing experience as far as a breath. So college was busy and hectic. And like I mentioned, there was internships every summer and I was always on the go. I felt like in traveling, I traveled a lot my senior year for journalism. I traveled to, to Malawi, Africa, and I traveled to London for projects. And so I felt like I was traveling a lot, but it wasn't as much as a breath of fresh air, it was a lot of work. And so to be able to have six weeks where I just traveled the world and was able to journal and to see all these amazing things and to learn about different cultures, it was the best experience and the best mindset as far as resetting my mind and then being ready to start work. It was something that I would recommend to everyone, honestly, graduating from school or in a transition period in your life. I think traveling is just such a healthy way to gain perspective and to be able to look at things from a new perspective and to really focus in on your own um, goals. And so I started at WIS in July. And from there, I just hit the ground running. So it was my first on-air job. And I remember my third day, they were like, all right, you're going on air. (laughs) I was like, okay, Um, hopefully this doesn't go bad. But it was great. And I think for the first two months, it was so overwhelming, learning everything and making my all of my deadlines because I, I go live in the afternoon. So from four to seven, I'll do, do live hits every single hour. And then if there's breaking news, I go live even more than that. I'll go live for cut-ins every single hour in the afternoon. So I think it was a lot at first, learning everything and trying to sound professional and trying to get all the facts right every single time and not look at my script. I think that that was all a challenge, but I really feel like, you know, I've hit the ground running now and I'm excited for for what the next year and a half holds for me at WIS and then who knows into the future what what will go what will happen from there. Well, you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, being a multimedia journalist, you know, just a lot of the work and, and challenges that go into doing that and then just a couple of the on-air things that you just mentioned, but I guess outside of the actual job itself, what has been the biggest challenge about pursuing this career path? I think it's finding balance. And I think that's what many people struggle with. So I don't just want to say that it's in journalism, but I think that it's long hours, especially in your first job, but especially in a journalism field in your first job, in the journalism field in your first job, it's, it's really long hours. So my days can be more than 10 hours. And I think that it's hard to then go home and to be motivated to follow your other passions and pursuits and to be motivated to make friendships and to be motivated to go out and do things after that. And I think that for me in the first few months, it was really finding that balance of saying, okay, after I go home from work, I want to make sure that I'm going to a Bible study once a week. And I want to make sure that I'm making new friendships in a new city because when I moved here, I didn't know anybody. And so making new friends and, you know, still creative writing is a big passion of mine. And so making sure that I'm still doing that every once in a while, every you know week, 
I'm journaling and writing and working out, that's a huge part of my life. And so that was another thing too, was I think that sometimes in your first job, people forget to take care of themselves. And that was a mindset for me going in saying, okay, I'm going to make time every single day to work out. And then I'm going to meal prep every weekend to make sure that when I come home and I'm starving and it's 7.30 or 8 p.m., I have a healthy meal in my fridge that I can just warm up and it's easy and not tempting to go out to eat all the time. So I think that it's a, it's kind of learning how to be an adult a little bit. And especially in your first <laughs> job when you're stressed about other things, it's learning how to, how to be an adult. And so it's been a huge period of growth for me, but also just a wonderful period in the sense that in six months, I feel like I've grown so much. I look back at school and some of my friends are in graduate programs and they'll be like, oh, I just can't wait to graduate. And I'm like, don't say that. <laughs> I'm like, the real world is great, but school is really great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you share that I, because, I, you know, all the, the media people that I know that have gone through, you know, the path and, and I've been on that path. I think I, I think we would all agree with you that I think the hardest thing about moving to a new market and I moved to three and you're in your first one is that first six months to a year, it's incredibly lonely. I mean, you know, you're, and I think people would find it hard to believe that if you're in media, you're lonely because, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you're a public figure, you're a face, everybody knows you. Well, they don't know you at the beginning. And, you know, you're just a new face. And even going to the grocery store in total anonymity is nice uh, for a little bit, but then it's like, you know, I don't know anybody. I should get to know people and you don't know anybody outside the station. And yeah, it, it it's challenging. And I'm I'm sure you've probably experienced that over these first six months and you're learning how to grapple with it, but it is, it's tough. Yeah, I will say that it is difficult moving to a new place. It's that thought of, okay, how do you make a whole new group of friends? And that was something that I struggled with a little bit was a lot of my friends moved to New York City and Atlanta and these glamorous cities. But I have to say that I've really loved Columbia so far. The people here are the kindest people. It's so funny. And they love local news here. So people will stop me a lot. And this one person a few weeks ago was honking at me. And was I was in the car and they were like, roll down your window. And I was kind of concerned. I don't know if I should and do that. <laughs> exactly. And he goes, you're doing so great on WIS. Like, I love watching you. And that, it just made my day. And that happens a lot here, that people are just so kind and they get so excited when they do recognize you and they see you out in public. And they're like, you're just so great. I love watching, you know, all your stories. And I love the pieces you put together. And I love your journalism. And that honestly makes it all worth it for me is when someone, they don't have to say anything to you. They don't have to be kind, but they take the time and it's on social media too, but to say, Hey, you're doing a really great job. And I appreciate the information that you, you give every day. And that makes it all worth it. The long hours, everything to have people tell you that they appreciate what you do every single day and they see value in it. I think is a huge reward to be able to be in this type of position where people do tell you that on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, look, you are doing a great job. I have seen your stuff and, you know, I'm always honest with you and I think you're doing a really, especially six <laughs> months in here. I mean, you really are doing a great job. So keep doing what you're doing. So here's my question and let's talk about it because, you know, what I say is not gospel by any means and I'm just coming from my own experience. But what questions as you're six months into your career here, do you have moving forward about, you know, the path and where you want to go and what you want to do? I think it's difficult to trust the process at times. I think that when you're living in the moment, it can feel really long. But as I kind of just said, six months went by so fast. And I know the next 
year and a half is going to go by so fast. So I think for me, it's really just holding myself accountable too, to saying, okay, every six months to a year, I'm going to check in and and see, okay, am I meeting the goals? And am I going to get to where I want to be? And do I still love it? And am I still passionate about it? Because I think that's important is I think a lot of times people get comfortable in careers and they stop questioning whether it's something they're still passionate about. And I think that if you're not passionate about what you're doing in your career, you should find something else. You should follow what you are passionate about because we spend most of our days working. And so you should love it. And not every day is going to be amazing. And there will be times when, I mean, there are definitely days when I'm like, man, this was, this was a tough day. And especially as a journalist, there are times when I'm covering stories that are incredibly difficult to report on, just covering things that are sad and are upsetting. And, you know, you're there sometimes for people's the worst day of their lives and it can be heavy. And so I think though, for me, it's always having the perspective of not every day is going to be the best day of my life, but overall to check in every now and then and say, okay, do I still love it though? And do I, do I still feel fulfilled by what I'm doing? And if the answer is yes, then continue on that path. And so I think it's, um, too early for me to have many questions about, about my career. I think that at the one year mark, I'm probably going to take a deep look and, and really determine what my next step is. And it might be to go to a bigger market and, you know, report for a few more years. It could be hopefully maybe go to an even bigger place, go to a network in the next five years. That's the goal. So hopefully I'll get there. But, you know, I think that the great thing about life is that it's, it's really long. And I remember the dean of the journalism school at UNC Chapel Hill was talking to a class of mine my senior year. And she said, okay, you guys are all really stressed right now about finding jobs. And I totally get it. But just, just look at me. I've been working now for fit, like over 50 years. And I've had three completely different careers life is really long and you're going to have a lot of time to figure out what your dream career is. And you're going to have a lot of time to change your mind and then to change it back again if you want to. So one year, two years, I mean, in the big scheme of things, that's such a short period of time. And so I think though that I, like I said, I do want to always check in and make sure though, okay, am I still happy? Am I still fulfilled? Am I passionate still? And if not, let's do something else then. But right now, I still feel just an incredible amount of fulfillment from my job and just knowing that I think there's something really powerful to being a journalist and to being able to somewhat decide what people are going to care about every day and to getting to share incredible things that are happening around the world and in our communities. We get to be the face sometimes of these amazing things that people are doing in the communities and we are the way that people learn about those things. And I, I think it's an incredible responsibility and privilege to be able to be that person in, in our world and in our communities. So, so I still greatly enjoy it as of now. <laughs> when you got into, is it WIS? Do yes. you kind of feel like you are going 100 miles an hour trying to get to your next goal, which is, you know, maybe a bigger market? Do you feel like that's kind of was your approach when you stepped in the foot in the, in the station? Because I was, I mean, I, I, I was just like, look, I, I'm going, I want to go national. So that means I got to get to a middle market. Then I got to get to a big market. Then I got to get from there to a national. So it's going to take me this many years. And so I got to get this done. And I mean, I, you know, I, I literally had this like whole 10 year plan in my head of like how fast I could possibly get there. 
And, you know, I think when you start out, you're a little naive to the situation of how much patience it's going to take to get there. I think that I went into this job. And like you kind of just said, in journalism, it's you're you're in each place for a few years and you're always kind of thinking about, OK, what's my next step? What's my next step? What do I want my next market to be? What do, what job do I want next? And I think it is tempting to kind of live in the next moment. And two years goes by really quickly. And that's, I think, what a lot of our contracts are in journalism. And what people might not know is that, you know, a lot of times we're only in each city if we're moving up for a few years. But I think that the mindset, especially in, in my first year at WIS, is just to learn as much as I po- possibly can. I have this opportunity at the station I'm at. It's a legacy station in Columbia. It's the number one station. And a lot of my colleagues are incredibly talented at what they do every single day. And I think that walking in the doors, I, I'm the youngest there, and I recognize the opportunity that was in front of me to learn. And so instead of looking to the next thing, I think I went into the, into it with the mindset of, okay, I'm going to take full advantage of everything that's in front of me right now and learn as much as I possibly can and get really good at what I do, be the best at what I do so that when it's time to take that next step, I'm ready. And I don't want to take it too early. And I think that is one of the challenges and one of the temptations now in, in this field is to take those big steps too early. And I, I think we've talked about this. I think it's really important to learn at a place where you can learn and make mistakes at a place where you can make mistakes and be ready for that next step when it comes. And I think one of the best parts for me about the station I'm at, we have a lot of shows. And so, and we, one of our mottos is, to be live all the time. And so I'm live on television three times a day. And so the experience that I'm getting doing that is just amazing as far as getting really good, like I just said, at what I do every single day and making sure that when I take that next step, I'm ready for it. And so I think that I'm trying not to be in the mindset of rushing things, but always be aware, like I said, and check in and make sure that I'm on the correct path to reaching that next goal but not living in that next moment. Well, we are all going to be looking for White House correspondent Emily Wakeman on the scene in a few years. That's going to be Get exciting. ready. <laughs> yeah, before we wrap up here, I want to do uh, 10 get-to-know-you questions. It's all totally for fun, so I put together a few questions for you here. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's hear them. Here we go. Number one, what is more exciting for you, live in the studio or live on location? Live on location. It's such a rush, especially for breaking news. It's so authentic. You're getting to show the scene. You're getting to, to tell people what you've been hearing from neighbors and community members. It's real time. It's so real. And it's such, a, it's such an adrenaline rush. Cool. All right. Number two, who is your news idol? Savannah oh. Guthrie. I think she is incredible. And I just she's so poised on air. And she just strikes this great balance between professional and authentic and relaxed and real. So I I think she strikes that balance so wonderfully. Number three, what's your least favorite part of journalism? Now with the 24-hour news cycle and just the way news works, we don't have as much time to really enterprise stories. And I think that's, that's one difficulty is there's times when I really want to investigate and to reach out to more people and to interview more people. And the reality of it is that it has to be ready for a 4 p.m. show. And 
I think that's difficult for, for every journalist now. And whether you work in print or broadcast, we are under extremely strict timelines now, and it doesn't give us as much time to enterprise our work. You're working under timelines that are very difficult. Number four, we'll get away from news here. Would you want to live forever? Okay. No. Well, I want to go to heaven. <laughs> so you <laughs> so do want I, to live forever. I believe <laughs> we, we will. I believe I will live forever. Number five, what is for dinner tonight? Oh, gosh. Who's going to tell me that? I don't have any food here right now. Like ramen okay, that's or? okay. I'm a big cereal person. I will say that that is my go-to food is cereal. I love it. So that's honestly probably what's on the docket tonight, which is bad. Because I, I talked earlier about meal prepping. I'm normally really good about it, but I was, I was in New York last weekend, and then I'm going back to Charlotte this weekend. So I think for me, I was like, oh, I won't cook this week. We'll just have leftovers and stuff. That news so. reporter diet of special K for dinner. Love it. All it's, right. It's great. <laughs> Number six, how many pull-ups can you do in a row? Oh, my gosh, Tim. I am so good at pull-ups. Yeah. I used to win every single year in physical fitness, those physical fitness tests growing up. I would beat all the boys in my class. I, I have a lot of upper arm strength. You wouldn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I look, the most I've like heard on air is two. So, oh, so you're no, a new record I, setter. I can do so many pull-ups. <laughs> I'm serious. Next time you see me, hold me to it. I will. Post I'll be like, step up on stage here. We're going to get a bar out through to the audience. <laughs> how many you can do? I love it. I'm That's so great. glad you asked about pull-ups. <laughs> yes, I. You're like I, I am the champ. <laughs> uh, I'm not right. the most athletic person, but pull-ups. But that man, can I crank out some pull-ups? Okay. Number seven, what is your favorite type of tea? I love, it's actually kind of strange. I love a mix of mint and orange. Mm, That actually sounds really good. I mix them and it's the perfect, yeah, it just, it soothes my throat. It's it's like a fresh scent, but, but yeah. Oh, and I also, yeah, I love peppermint tea too, but my go-to type of tea is a mix. I use both. I use orange and mint together. That's a good recipe for the future. I'll have to introduce to my wife. All right, number eight. Mm-hmm. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Oh, gosh. It really depends on the day. I mean, I'll drink one to three. If it's a not too stressful of a day, I'll drink one. But, man, towards the end of the week, I'm like, I'll, it'll be like 3 p.m. And I'll be like, I need another cup of coffee. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've always I'm, been told I'm you like, shouldn't drink coffee sleepy. after 2 p.m. Oh, I break that rule frequently. You're like, but... I drink it with my special K for dinner. <laughs> but I'm not the, I'm not quite to the level where I'm like pounding back eight cups of coffee. I'm not there yet, but I definitely, I definitely am an everyday coffee drinker. Well, I think if you drink eight cups, your online read rate is going to be super high. You're going to be ripping through the news in about People four minutes. People are going to be like, we don't understand the word you're saying. You're like, saying. slow down, Wakeman. What is going on? You are moving. <laughs> Exactly. Number nine, what is your ideal outside temperature? I like a good 70s range, I think, like a low 70s. There was a day last week when in Colombia, which I guess I shouldn't be too shocked, but there was a day when it was 72 here. And I remember walking outside and having this thought of, wow, I'm a happier person when it's (laughs) (laughs) It's like. I'm immediately happier now that I now that I feel the temperature on my skin and it's December. 
Love it. All right, so, last one. Welcome. Welcome to Columbia. I love it. Number <laughs> 10. What is something that you could eat for a week straight? Let me think about this. Oh, I could eat Chick-fil-A every meal for a week straight, like hands down. It doesn't matter where I'm like, where I've traveled to in the world. Every single time I ever travel, the one thing I always can't wait to get back to is Chick-fil-A. It is just God's gift. Maybe I'm just crazy. I've probably had at least 10 of you on this podcast tell me that answer. I've had it. I'm not not that big of a fan. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just weird like that. I'm not that big of a fan. Yeah, that is strange. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Tim, you are weird. I feel judged. (laughs) You're off the hook. Way to go. Nice job. Thank you very much. We learned some interesting fun facts about you there. Emily Wakeman, always great to have you here. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. What a great way to spend my Thursday night. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to my good friend Emily Wakeman for her time. Now, if you want to follow Emily on social media, you can check out her Instagram, at Emily Wakeman. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube. Or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Have an awesome week, everybody. Have an awesome week, everybody.